government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. I'm on Smoko. So leave me alone. Hi, uh, Jake and Anders. Up. Well, we have a guest later, but right now it's just us. J- Jake here. Anders Lee here. Anders Lee's here. Um, here's what's going on with me. Alex is on Smoko. Alex is on Smoko, so leave him alone. Um, New song stuck in my head. Australian. Can't imagine him smoking. He's such a <laughs> fucking wholesome young boy who's married. I'm enjoying the vibes. <laughs> He's like a married boy. It's the weirdest thing in the world <laughs> to me. Um, so, okay, here's, let me explain what's about to happen. I, uh, I quit my job last week nice. and uh, I'm really excited because I, you know, I was doing this podcast and fucking working full time. It was a lot. So I know anyone's been hanging on long enough and listening to us for years. Every episode of this podcast for the last year, I've been dying because I've just been like working till five in the morning, mm-hmm. rolling out of bed. And then I'm just like, coughing up a lung into the microphone i haven't really been able to be that present and i love i love our little show you know um so it's i feel good i feel like i'm gonna be able to put some fucking grease back into this thing but i had a nice week to myself and i took i did very excited about this i did mdma therapy with my, my therapist who's also kind of a witch doctor uh, kind of like a weird wizard shaman therapist and uh-huh. I, stuff that you kind of you might look at and go like, all right, moonbeam, this is not real. Right. But it's, it's fucking real. I, I'm like, I'm a believer and I'll explain it to you. I'll talk your ear off about it. So I did that, this weird drug therapy shit where I went inside my brain, like a spirit world adventure and fought demons and shit. And I feel great. Nice. But. I spent all weekend doing that and it's very much a thing where you get off the phone and you're present and stuff. So I had to catch up on this fucking Russia thing like on three M- hours ago on MDMA. No, you're off MDMA when you're reading about Russia though. I'm all, I'm, okay. yeah, this Cause is, that would be an interesting, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah it would be like, um, you know, like, uh, you have glow sticks and there's a bear dancing and stuff. Uh-huh. They're not going to get us. That's what I imagine <laughs> Russia mixed with MDMA would feel like. <laughs> which sounds fun actually i want to go over there now <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot there uh, yeah and many people are doing it oh no it's my mdma is cut with crocodile <laughs> again oh my arm is turning black but i don't care because everything is dopamine they're not gonna get it okay so uh so i'm gonna as a crash course here also because i don't think this is <laughs> fucking i don't know this is a story that like at least for our show I don't think matters that much. Like, it seems like an all-encapsulated incident. I guess geopolitically, it'll... I mean, I will say, as soon as I saw the news that the Wagner or Wagner group is taking over Russia, I, you know, sent them my resume and (laughs) tape of my experience on Russian state media in case they want to re-up that and they want to bring RT America back. Yeah, dude. 
WT America. WTF America. WTF America. You got they got Mark Marin over there. Yeah. They probably got Jesse Ventura already. He's I would oh, pick yeah. him to lead a fucking some kind of squadron at least. Ooh, I mean he has military experience. Yeah, he fought the fucking predator, dude. <laughs> um but so I guess we're gonna do a little what, like a drunk history type thing. I'm gonna try to explain to you what I think happened. Okay. So yeah, the Wagner group guy. Okay, so I guess that there's this guy, his name is Pragoshin. Pragoshin. Looks like Pragazin on uh on paper. I hear it pronounced Pragoshin. You would know, comrade <laughs> RT. I just hear the ocean and then wonder if he's related to Frank Ocean, but that's all his last name. He's Frank Ocean's dad, yeah. Okay. And he is has a really weird background, which is that he was like a fuck he worked in restaurants and yeah. shit in like the nineties. Yeah, he's a small business tyrant. <laughs> yeah. He is. He's a true small business tyrant. And in Russia you can really take that shit far. Uh he was Putin's caterer at some point. Mm-hmm. Apparently what I heard is that Putin took Jacques Chirac out to eat at one of Prigozhin's restaurants. He was like, This is wonderful and then he like hired him as a caterer and then he slowly Worked his way up from there. Slowly worked his way up into becoming a mercenary, like a <laughs> privatized military commander. So he's like a weird, like blackwatery kind of thing. Um, and he has his fingers in a lot of pies, some of them in different parts of the world, some of them in Africa, right? But mainly he's involved right now personally in like leading a fucking his weird army, his hired army. So in Game of Thrones, he's like a fucking, you know, how that you could just like hire like a, oh, the mountain's going to fight for us or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, he's part of the fucking Russian uh, front line into Ukraine, but he's been growing increasingly agitated with the minister of defense in Russia, this guy, uh, Shoigu, <laughs> Sergi, yeah, is that how you say it? Uh, yeah, I mean, like as we discussed, there's no correct way to pronounce foreign words. Really, there's no correct way to speak Russian words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially Russian. Um, if it's a different language and you're saying a word from another language, like who's to say what the real way is? But anyway, go ahead. True. So he's really mad at this guy, at the the defense ministry or whatever the fuck it's called, uh, yeah, we're the defense ministry, and their minister, this guy Shoigu, and he's been saying that like what they're doing because Russia has a real military and mm-hmm. then it has this fucking like weird you know libertarian future hire a military mercenary shit going Sounds on. Sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he's that. He's saying, oh, well, the fucking uh, the, the military, the Ministry of Defense is like sucking up all the funding and, you know, allocating it to the shit that they want. Like they're like lining their own pockets with it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And not, not enough of it's going to them, which is like really interesting, given just the history of Russia and the questions of state and all this stuff that we're always talking about. And, you know, the things that we talk about. But he's like, fucking this fucking state is taking all my money. So he just went crazy and decided to turn his whole column around and like start ma- marching back into Russia and it looked like he was for a minute going to do a coup, uh, but like almost all the way to getting to fucking 
Moscow, the like prime minister or president or whatever the fuck of Belarus stepped in. Mm. It's really confusing. No one really knows exactly what happened, but like on paper, the face that they put out is like mm-hmm. that he basically like bailed out the, the Belarus guy kind of bailed out uh, this dude at the last minute before he started a Russian civil war (laughs) and he was like, I'll give you like exile or whatever the fuck. What's that called? Uh, Yeah. uh, yeah, Amnesty or whatever the fuck. And all of his soldiers are free to like dissolve into the Russian military. Uh, But like his, his company, the the Wagner group has to just dissolve. And this is all really weird because he's also got Wagner Group shit going on, like in Africa at various places. Oh shit! So, so they're going to complicate that. And I think that they think that's why this happened is because he realized, like, oh, this is going to fucking complicate some interests he has somewhere else in the world. Uh, but I want to read a couple quotes from the, some things I read about it here. One Wagner Group veteran said, "Has Yevgeny? That's his first name's Yevgeny. Yevgeny. Something." Has Yevgeny lost his mind? It's like I got a free ticket to a shitty circus. (laughs) 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 As one of his soldiers. (laughs) Um, Here's another one. He's a traitor and a son of a bitch. Oh, this is him talking about the defense ministry guy. He's a traitor and a son of a bitch. His only motherland is money, and money is his motherland. Mercenaries will never be loyal to their country. Never. <laughs> Why were they hired then? That's- right. Oh, no. Fuck. Sorry. That was what... Def- okay, this makes more sense. That was a defense ministry guy calling Yevgeny uh-huh. a, a traitor. And he's saying that they'll never be loyal, these mercenaries. You can't trust them. They'll never be loyal or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then apparently, so he, according, I'm reading from this Medusa was one of the outlets I read, read that has a lot of okay. good coverage of this. According to the source, Frog Ocean, Frank Ocean's dad gradually began attributing all of the failures he encountered to the quote, general decay of the defense ministry, which was str- uh, struggling to provide the Wagner group with ammunition and the mercenaries quote, strange position in the war. This source is confident that Pragogen was referring to Vladimir Putin when talking about a quote, happy grandpa is what he called him, <laughs> who doesn't know what's going on in a tirade he posted online in May, <laughs> though Pragogen himself denied this. So a lot of this is him also raging on social media, which is like wow. so funny. That's part of like military history now. Yeah. Uh, but there's this weird thing going on because like a lot of this is there. I think they're trying to save Putin's face and a lot of it is like making him like not look bad uh-huh. and not look like he's contradicting himself or like uh, giving in to anything. So like there's various points where people are either accusing him of being like senile or he are going like he does not even care about this or whatever. It's real fucking weird the way they have to deal with Putin's image. Yeah. Anyway, I get to, long story short, this guy just popped right. <laughs> and he fucking almost went. They said they said he had like no resistance like behind him. He's the front line at that point. So it was just like he was just barreling through towns where there's just like police and the police are also like disenchanted and stuff. So they were just like, whatever. <laughs> and yeah. he was like gonna charge Moscow. And apparently like a bunch of private jets left Moscow and they won't say, but 
It sounded Ooh. like Putin might have been in one of them. <laughs> I wonder where he's going. Yeah. Uh, and the, I guess the fucking, the final thing I have to say about this is what's funny is that, like, I mean, this is just like, whatever, who cares? This is a very 2018 take. Liberals are stupid. We all know it, right? Yeah. But, but it was funny that a bunch of, like, online libs were like, I love the Wagner right. group. Welcome to the resistance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy who... King. <laughs> I think... You just, I mean, we're alluding to, he was like mad that the Russian military wasn't killing enough Ukrainians, right? That was like the main complaint is that they weren't executing. They weren't going to like end the war like the Bolsheviks. Right. They it wasn't like, 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 it's a weird thing for a liberal to go like, oh, he's fucking Bay or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Because it's like, he also is killing Ukrainians. It's not like he wanted to end right. the war, like to fucking stop the conflict. This is just two people that are both killing Ukrainians fighting over like who gets more guns or whatever uh -huh. the fuck. <laughs> it's also so surreal to see because, you know, Russia has become kind of like a pseudo-libertarian um, paradise, but they have, you know, the, the the footage of like these tanks rolling through town and like limited fighting and stuff. And then there are just all these e-scooters just in frame <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Russia's so big that, you know, I think about this sometimes with, like, um, the Nazi invasion of Russia, because they got pretty close to Moscow um, in, fuck, what's the operation called? But uh, we're forgetting words today. But they got really close to Moscow, and then they got holed up at, you know, the that famous battle, um, and it didn't work out. But the thing, if they reached Moscow, then the government could have just left and gone to another country or gone to another city because Russia is huge. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to keep going. Yeah, and if they move, a yeah. hot war, like like you're playing a fucking computer game. You have to move the guys right. or whatever. That's huge. Yeah, Barbarossa. Yeah, just an insane. And that's why people are like, you know, when uh, Stalin should get all this credit for defeating the Nazis. Like, that's, there's a very limited window for success that Operation Barbarossa had. It's like the result of just mania. Like Look, they could have just moved the government far, further east. I, 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 I get into that a little bit. I think it's fun to read about all the cool Nazi killers that happened on yeah. the fucking Soviet side in uh, in World War II. They, they, did, they did win it. Like that, no question about it. Totally, yeah. and it's on. It's fun to read about because it's fucking hidden secret history in America, right. where we say that we want it, and you're like, "Holy shit! Wait a minute! There's all these cool fucking inglorious bastards guys in the communist side." But it is. You're right. It's not just Russia. It's not just Russians. It's Russia. Like the terrain yeah. is like what makes it so fucking hard. And even Russians now know that you can't invade Russia. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it happened to him. Right. He's just, yeah, he just probably thought about it and was like, fuck, no yeah. thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking cold. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, but I guess that just like, I mean, I guess I, I kind of was reading this and I was like, is that just it? Like, is it just going to be over? But I'm sure this is like a new wrinkle that's going to like have some sort of lasting effect in what's going on over there. I mean, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it shows Putin's weakness potentially, but I, I kind of doubt it. I think it's yeah, just gonna drag. It's gonna be like a yeah, they're gonna have to come to the table at some point and reach a diplomatic settlement. I don't. I I would love to be wrong, but I don't think. Well, I I'd not necessarily love to be wrong because Putin <laughs> could be replaced by somebody even worse. But uh, yeah, like the, like Prigozhin. <laughs> yeah. He's horrible. <laughs> I just want to point out... Evil I, restaurant manager warlord. <laughs> I googled uh, his restaurant, New Island. 
<laughs> and I'm looking up reviews of it, and they talk about all the crab salad. Ooh, um, that sounds good. Excellent starter, they say. Nicely followed with the veal Orloff with baked potatoes and dill. Or the fried filet of trout with almonds. The wine list is extensive but pricey. But then at the top of the <laughs> website, it says, U.S. State Department warning. Do not travel to Russia due to the unprovoked and unjustified attack by Russian military forces in Ukraine. <laughs> Thanks. There's no gloopsy on that shit or borscht or whatever? That sounded I'm like sure. a TGI Fridays or some shit. That's yeah. Fucking, I don't know how I feel about that. I liked it so much. Can you go to Russia right now? Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Should try it. Give me a job. Give my job back. Um, Well, speaking of negotiations and warfare (laughs) uh, and uh, Facebook dads and grandpas and, you know, social media uh, interviewed, subterfuge. We have uh, a guest this week, uh, our friend uh, Alexander from the Minion Death Cult podcast, who is also a teamster. And uh, UPS worker, so we're going to have a interesting conversation with him. All right, here we go. Okay, we are now talking to our pal Alexander Edward from Minion Death Cult. What's up? Welcome back to the show. Long time no see. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Love you guys. Love you too. Oh, we, you know, podcasters don't say I love you enough to each other. We should That's true. Start and end podcasts like that. Um, hi. Okay, so uh, you're our resident UPS guy, so obviously we figured we'd ask you some questions about what's happening in the UPS world right now. I'm hearing grumblings and things. Yeah. First and foremost, how are your brown shorts? Are they okay? Uh, they're okay because I still have the brown shorts from the last vendor, so they still fit good. They're not weird. They don't have, like, baggy slits in the thigh pocket, which... I don't know, like a thigh pocket in theory is cool, but it, it should go out from the short. It shouldn't go into the leg of the short, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's weird. It sounds like To me, that sounds like there's a hole in the pocket. Is that what that is, or there's what kind of pocket there's is like it? A, is there a hole no, in the pocket where the money goes? Like a, it's like a floppy, loose pocket that you can't even get anything in and out of. It sucks. Sucks uh, ass. Go back to the old uniforms, the old shirts, too. Much better. We had two chest pockets and a pen holder built in gone uh that's a strike issue for me personally i'm hoping sean o'brien uh answers my emails soon about this is this real did they cheap out on the uniforms and now they have shitty like pockets and stuff i don't know if they cheaped out they're definitely worse to my mind and the logo falls off after about (laughs) two months of wearing (laughs) (laughs) that's funny I, I know that women have to deal with uh, women's clothes, typically don't have any pockets. Are the uniforms at UPS gendered, or is it the same thing for everybody? I think they do different fits. I'm, I'm okay. trying to remember. I, I, we'll yeah, have I don't to get... remember og- ogling any of the UPS models in the little catalog, so I don't know. Well, that's good, but I, I will was... have to get a beat reporter on the female UPS employee pocket question. That'd be fucked up if... You're a woman and you got a job at UPS and they're like, oh, here, hang on. Let me get the no pockets pants for you. <laughs> it's, a, it's like sewed up. Yeah, it, it sucks. I don't know why, because nobody likes it. Everybody wants pockets. It's because in the past, women couldn't be trusted with, um, you know, you could keep a weapon in there. Right. Or poison to poison your 
count. Although that, sorry to get off on pockets here for a second. I actually use my pockets. I use my front pockets. People say, "What are you doing? You, it looks ridiculous. You have a giant square bulging out of your like." Oh, I'm a front project. pocket guy too. Yeah, that's what they're for. Yeah, because it looks a little incongruous. It doesn't look flat, and you know, you, sleek. people that put their men that put wallet their wallet in their back pockets are inviting ne'er do wells, yeah. cut purses, pick pockets. To be frank. That's and right. Back problems and back mm, problems. True. I make so much money in cash, might I add, that if I were to put my bulging po- wallet in my back pocket, it would throw off. I'd be sitting sideways, dude. It would get. I'd give me like a whole other ass cheek of of depth there. It yeah. Would be completely fucked up. Let me tell you something though. As long as we're on the topic of pockets. I, I'm a front pocket guy too. I always have been. It's always made way more sense to me, mm-hmm. except in one situation. When you go to a strip club and then a woman sits down on your lap and suddenly she's like, What is it? And it's she's like on your keys. I keep my keys on my back. I have a carabiner, put it mm-hmm. on a back belt loop, tuck yeah. it into my Ender's back pocket. Right here. Uh, well, I've got a third way around this, which is I'm going to invent and go on Shark Tank and shit with. Strip club fanny pack. It's oh. you hand them out in front of the, the strip club. And you go for gentle for the front pa- front pockets, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught, uh, you know, in a in a pinch. Uh, this is the gentleman's fanny pack. Keep it on you. That's and- good. I mean, isn't she kind of also going to sit on your fanny? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the well, way I do it in there. Yeah. Am I remembering this correctly? I believe Alexander. Some photographs I've seen of you on the internet. That sounds really dark. But the, uh, on Twitter. I see photos of you. You have a fanny pack, don't you, when you're doing your rounds? Andrews is stalking you. Oh, uh, working. No, I have a holster for my dyad. It's it's I, it's kind of what I envisioned the side pocket on the short should be, which is like a cargo pant sh- uh, pocket, but without the top on it. Just like an open. I've seen nurses with pants like these. I think FedEx drivers have them. That's what I want. But yeah, no, I wear like a, a cool snap-on holster for my scanner. Oh, like... Where Link puts his Pura pad for nice. our Zelda yeah. playing listeners. That makes sense. So your diet, that's that fucking thing that like scans shit. Yeah, we got a new one very recently and I hate it. It's awful. The cheap out on that too? Like, no, I don't think they cheaped out on it so much as somebody had a connection to uh, Android. Somebody, somebody had like a, you know, got wooed by an android lobbyist or something like that and they decided we had to switch over to an app so now it's like a cell phone embedded in a larger plastic piece with some hard buttons but they've gotten rid of hard buttons from the last dyad and i i I just i want to like play whoever came up with the idea of putting a touch screen on a piece of industrial equipment yeah, that's uh, I flew on a fucking I think it was a jet blue flight recently, and it was a kind of this is this is cheaping out though I think because like the same thing happened where uh, instead of having the fucking TV in the back of the seat in front of you, there was a like a thing that's the shape of a phone that you could stick your phone in, and they were like, now your phone is the screen, mm-hmm. you can watch movies in the in like you know you could like access the movies that they had via like their wi-fi or whatever but this is like i think this is this might be cheaping out I, this might be like you know inviting third parties in to to fill in shit so they don't have to or something yeah now i have to take photos with that scanner too oh I really the, the amazon thing where you take a photo of a package when you leave it 
uh, which is very cool for a brand new scanner that <laughs> glitches out regularly. So, yeah, and you just accidentally time. send them photos of you and Tony hard styling and shit. <laughs> um, so it sounds like working at UPS, and I apologize for this question in advance, but it sounds like that ha- comes with its UPS and D-O-W-N-S. Uh, I had, I'm sorry, I have OCD and I needed to get that (laughs) question across phrased in that way. But uh, have you, how long have you, were you there in 2018? Yeah, I've been a, I've been a Teamster and a UPS employee for 17 years. Damn. Damn. Okay. Cause I definitely want to ask about 2018 where uh, I believe you guys voted to strike and then the strike uh, didn't happen for some reasons. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're pretty close. Uh, in 2018, we voted to authorize a strike by 97%, right. just okay. like we did this year. Yeah. Uh, uh, you guys are probably aware, but for anybody who doesn't know, that is a negotiating tactic uh, that leadership decides to call a strike authorization vote. And we all vote to give leadership the authority to call a strike if there's an impasse in negotiations. It's kind of like giving the president permission to wage a war. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Actually, that's really good. But um, we voted down the contract that they brought to us in 2018 uh, for reasons that we are entering these negotiations on a very like aggressive footing. Um, one of which was the creation of a new type of driving job called a hybrid driver. The article is article 22.4, so they're called a yeah. 22.4 driver or a hybrid driver, where supposedly an employee, a new full-time position with the company was created, where somebody would work four hours inside the building, handling boxes, loading, sorting, unloading, uh, which is what they're majority part-time shifts. They're all part-time shifts. Like 60% of UPS employees are part-time. Um, so you would do a part-time shift inside the building, and then you would drive for four hours. And your top rate was going to be like $10 lower than a normal driver's top rate. And so we as the members were like, well, you're creating cheaper labor. Like that's obviously going to compete with the regular driving full-time job. Why wouldn't the company just only create these hybrid driver positions and, you know, lower their labor costs and uh, cheat a lot of Teamsters out of a good, you know, full uh, full time job? Sorry. Um, And we and uh, they did what uh, what we thought they were going to do, which is they just used those drivers for full time driving positions. They would just use them for eight hours instead of splitting it up. But, um, yeah, we voted that contract down and that that driving position was actually created by Hoffa Jr., our side in the negotiations, as like a compromise to overtime because a lot of forced overtime at UPS. So our own president said, well, how about we create this lower-tier job uh, to alleviate some of the work? And we said, no, that sucks. But because uh, less than 50% of us voted in the election or in the the, uh, contract vote, and we didn't vote it down by two thirds because it was like 57% no or something like that needed to be 66.7%. They were able to cancel up our vote and force the contract through the Teamsters were the leadership at the time Uh, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And, you know, we've been kind of dealing with the consequences of that contract 
uh, by one of one of the ways was by electing our new president, Sean O'Brien, who uh, was kind of like the reform ticket within the Teamsters. Right. I, I've been talking for a while, so I'll let you. No, no, it. that's I, that's great uh, context. Uh, so that's kind of amazing that that was the compromised position. Uh, what t- what what did the company want instead? Just like mandatory unpaid overtime. I don't know. You know, they're they're usually they usually keep these negotiations pretty close to the ch- to the vest, especially if they're as friendly with the company as we suspect previous leadership was. So, the message we got back is like, this is the best deal we can get, and we were like, fucking go back to work, man, work harder. And so they put on, I don't I don't know the technical word for it. They extended the old contract, the pre twenty eighteen contract for as long as they needed until they actually settled on, you know, a a couple like modest gains from the contract we voted down. Uh, We were working for like almost a year, if not more than a year under the old contract uh, while they, you know, after it technically expired. And then they brought us something and we were still like, no, we don't, we don't like that. And uh, that's when they pushed it through. And then we just got retroactive pay, from you know the years we worked past the previous contract updating our pay to the new contract oh wow so just so i'm like caught up and understand that 2018 is when they uh the contract from 2018 that you're saying like came in delayed yeah. or whatever that's when they introduced 22.4 which is the right, hybrid right. and hybrid is not hybrid vehicles it's a hybrid like as in your they are people who also run on electricity, yeah, as well as gas, right? Like replicants. Yeah, yeah. the The contracts uh, last five years, so we're entering the first contract after that sort of disastrous, uh, really upsetting in in this structural sense. Uh, the uh, that upsetting contract. Okay, and that basically just introduced like a, a shitty workaround to where they could hire cheaper labor by saying no these people aren't full-time they're this other thing no they're still full-time they're not like classified as contractors or anything like that they're still a full-time employee but just the language for that category of job in the contract describes a lower pay okay right so it's just like where they decided to set the pay in the contract they decided to set it fuck ten dollars lower than a normal job i don't understand that and Um, just by going oh they're 22 fours they're not the other thing that's basically the same job or whatever okay interesting and now now what's happening is that there's a new contract like it's been five years right so we're up for possible change yeah it's it's coming to i i went to a rally a month or two ago here in new york and there was this guy i'm not sure if he was a 22-4 or not but he was talking about having to come in at like 5 a.m work four hours and then be sent home, like ordered, leave. You have to go home, but you also have to be back at 5 p.m. So he these crazy hours, you work for four hours, <laughs> and then you have to get some sleep at home and then, you know, wake yourself up all disoriented and come back and do the same job. Uh, it's is, called disco hours. <laughs> is there a lot of that out in uh, Seattle where you are, uh, Alexander? And, and how is that sort of the weird hours? Uh, how is that dynamic playing into this fight? Well, okay, so I I was part-time eight years ago. Um, I think what you might be describing is somebody trying to catch extra shifts, maybe. Um, The the split shifting, I'm not as familiar with if that's a... If hybrid 
positions do that because there's a combo full-time position too where you're just inside the building for eight hours doing two part-time shifts that combine into a full-time job but I don't, i've never heard them be split like that i would i would double shift where you would come in at like 1 a.m after already you know working your afternoon shift or whatever or i would run like three part-time shifts in a row just to uh make ends meet because it you know there there are a lot of uh bad conditions for part-timers i mean the work in general is really tough work uh it's as tough as the work that we do as drivers uh you got usually about one part-time i'm just talking preload the people who load my truck in the morning before i get there uh they're usually doing like three package cars each and each package car has about 300 pieces in it and each one of those pieces has to be in a specific spot in the truck with like you know all these other safety measures that have to be followed as well um and they're only making about minimum wage mm. uh depending on what state you're in they might be making a little more than minimum wage but like up in Seattle <laughs> you know it's it's about the same um and they've been neglected for a long time in these contracts. I mean, I think I was just thinking about it as I was talking to you about the hybrid driver. Um, it really is indicative of how like prejudiced the company is towards just part a part-time employee. Uh, and you see that kind of trickle through, I, I think, just the, the public consciousness at large. Because you'll see people, you know, part-timers saying, you know, I, des I deserve more money than this. Like, look at how much money i'm making for the company look at how much you know uh how many packages i'm handling a day and people will be like well that, it's a part-time job what did you expect and it's like it seems to me like pretty irrational that we're just letting a business label something as part-time and therefore less valuable right and i think that infects the hybrid driver job where it's like okay you get ten dollars less because you're a you're a filthy inside part-timer yeah, well. it's like how in gig work they tell you like, uh, oh, but you're getting all this flexibility and and that's what's good about it. So it's like, it's like an equal trade. Even you know, uh, you can you can pursue your dreams outside of this because of the flexibility or whatever. But really, it's just people that internalize that shit and like repeat it, and they're like, you know, uh, well, it's a part time job. I mean, it, you're you're doing like the fucking boss's propaganda for him. It's really fucking Absolutely. obnoxious. Yeah. You know, it's the same work. What do you mean? Why would an hour of it pay the same as 40 hours of it? And and is there kind of um, how, how successful has the company been at like stoking division among you and your other coworkers on the basis of uh, part time or, or other things? It's hard to say, like, uh, what I don't I don't know if I even see management or the company engaged in that. I think everybody's just riding the current of like American classism an American, um, I don't like generational warfare, you know, it's, you see a lot of like, well, I did part-time and, you know, I spent my time there. Now you have to, or whatever. Um, there's not the, like a cafeteria and a table full of hybrids and everyone's like the two, two, four sit over there, man. Yeah. Um, no, it's management pissing himself and saying rent, rent free. <laughs> uh, no. So, um, Part-time has been, I think, neglected by the union. I think like the union, it, it should have been working harder for part. It's like the union's job to create solidarity 
among its members. So like no matter what the company was trying to do, the, the union could have done a better job. And we all just as rank and file could do a better job of uh, bridging that like it's not a class divide. It's an income divide, but and it's maybe a generational divide. But we're we're you know, how is somebody who's in your union like what a, what better a ripe candidate for solidarity? You know, so right. it's it's something that I think. I think the new leadership is uh, working on because we've made uh, part-timer pay just like one of the ma- major like three issues we're talking about with these contract negotiations. And I think one of the things we're willing uh, to strike over part-time pay, it should be and I think is a strike issue for us. And uh, I know another one is uh, harassment. Um, mm-hmm. I know that's an issue here in New York. Is that uh, something that's coming into play in, in your workplace at all? Um, I don't experience harassment. I can't speak for everybody in the building because I'm sure, I'm sure it happens. Um, I, I rather like my building. I think I, I like my local union and I think it's a testament to what a strong local can do for a culture at your, at your place of business. I've had, you know, bad managers in the past at other buildings. I've worked at, uh, three or four, four different buildings now. And uh, yeah, harassment is a problem and you do have to file grievances uh, fairly frequently, especially if you're like in the building around a supervisor all day. Uh, Me, I'm out in a package car kind of by myself and they don't bother me. So it's pretty cool. Um, But I know other people who have to I've I've seen the way part timers talk to part time supervisors talk to uh, their employees. And yeah, it can be pretty bad. Uh, it's also uh, I mean, it's just like UPS in general, I think, because I you see the way that the full time supervisors talk to the part time supervisors. And that was like one of the major reasons I never went uh, uh, supervisor, you know, when I was like 19 or whatever, they they offered it to me. And I was like, No, I don't feel like supervising people, yeah. especially like 45 year old Teamsters. Uh, no, thank you. But uh, also, I've seen the way you like get cussed out by your boss in front of everybody. <laughs> not not interested in that. Yeah, it's funny. The trickle down harassment is such a thing, like even working in the service sector, which is very different in many ways. But like anytime there's like a manager who's like f- stressed out and freaking out at people and cussing and being a dick, it's ten, nine times out of ten. It's because the owner is doing that to them. And then, yep. you know, yeah. the owner has their own weird psychoses. Um, but, yeah, it's just a, it creates toxic environments for sure. Um, I do see that complaint. To answer your question, though, yeah. I do see that complaint frequently from other drivers. I just I can't speak to, like, specifics, uh, but it's apparently bad enough that uh, it's part of our uh, negotiating platform. You know, it's part of our right, goals right. to eliminate harassment. It, so- it sounds like it's pretty bad in, in parts of the country. And, uh, you know, I know you mentioned, um, you know, some older coworkers and stuff is because this is I believe we're gearing up for and, you know, not a total sure thing yet, but we're gearing up for the first strike since 1997, if I'm not mistaken. Is there any kind of like lore in, among UPS workers, older ones about that 97 strike? And have you like gleaned anything about what that was like? Uh, yeah, it seems like it was kind of crazy times. I've heard a, a lot of stories over the years. Um, heard about supervisors, like in L.A., supervisors t- trying to take package cars out and getting shot at. Oh, whoa. Uh, just. The 90s, uh, man. 
the the I think the company like tried to handle the volume just on ma- on management side and like gave up after after a few days. Uh, yeah. The amount of stuff we process is like pretty unfathomable, um, and the idea that Amazon or FedEx or the post office would be able to pick up uh, what we, <laughs> what we process is um, it's not going to happen. Uh, so I think what they're going to do this time, if, if a strike happens is just like run next day air, uh, which will, you know, I, I don't next day air is stuff we all have to deliver before, uh, like 10 30 in the morning. It's like refrigerated medicine or it's like important legal documents. Um, or it's just something somebody paid, you know, $50 to get there before 10 30. <laughs> um, and that's uh, that's probably what they'll be running, and they'll still have service failures uh, by you know by the, by the thousands. Well, it'll at least be fun to watch them try and handle that. Uh, well, so just to keep everything on a timeline, um, like what? So we we talked about the the contract from five years ago uh, and the strike before that, but like, where are we at right now? Is there going to be a strike? Because I've heard that there's like a, that's a question. Like the, could you, we raise the possibility for there to be one, but that isn't necessarily, uh, you know, destined to happen or whatever. Um, what's going on there? What's up with these air conditioners I hear about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, so I'll start with the AC. Um, so what we were doing is we were negotiating and just to be clear, I'm not part of the negotiations. Um, I'm just a rank and file member. I just, uh, you know, I've been following this. I've been going to meetings and, Paying attention online, man. Sean O'Brien's pretty funny online. Everybody yeah. should follow Teamster Sob <laughs> nice. on Twitter uh, to see him <clears throat> to see him make fun of Mark Wayne Mullally M- Mullen. Yeah, Mullen. Yeah, just uh, oh, Mark just, Wayne. Mark Wayne. <laughs> Mark he, Wayne. Just rip him, rip him a new asshole. Pretty there, funny. Yeah. Did you see the? There was like a photo of Mark Wayne, I guess, from when he was running uh, at a debate at a TV station, and they got a little behind the podium shot, and he's standing on a little brick, so he <laughs> yeah. can be as tall <laughs> as his opponent. And Sean O'Brien <laughs> had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, Sean O'Brien's. I got to meet him. I I got to meet him. I took a picture of him while I was wearing my shirt of Bart Simpson threatening Jeff Bezos with nice. a gun. Did he uh, like it? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, well, he he like looked down and smiled at it. He and uh, <laughs> I told we didn't talk for very long, but I I said, hey man, I love everything you're saying. I love I love the attitude. And he and he leans in and he goes, it ain't that fucking odd, is it? It ain't like, that no, hard. No, uh, it's not. Like H A R D. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's got a Boston like a, accent. Like a guy with the them. last name O'Brien would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So the so with the, uh, what they were negotiating right now, or up to last week, was all the non-economic parts of the contract. So like safety, job security, job openings, subcontract, eliminating subcontracting, all that stuff. And I wasn't AC wasn't a strike issue for us. I hadn't. Uh, you see people like talk about it online, but I hadn't heard any leadership say anything about ac so i was kind of i was kind of shocked when i saw the teamsters tweet out that they got ac in the contract i was like damn that's kind of crazy i didn't think ups would have given that up and then i looked into it and it's like okay well it's going to be ac in all models of the vehicle purchased after 2024 so (laughs) okay it's going to be 
future vehicles have the ace what's crazy is ups has been manually requesting the ac be removed from all packaged cars you know from the manufacturer like they're manufactured with an ac unit or at least that's like the base model and ups would just go nope no ac jesus christ why does it do, does, does it cost less money if they do that or just evil like why would you fuck why the fuck would you do that their their arguments i think are that uh Maybe it would cost too much in gas, and then also maybe it wouldn't be effective. You're still seeing that argument that AC is uh, isn't effective because it's in the cab instead of the rear cargo area where you know that's the hottest part of the truck. That's the literal oven back there. That's where it's you know I, if you saw viral photos of drivers taking the temperature of their vehicle, that's usually where they were taking the temperature, where it was like 130 degrees or 160 degrees back there. I mean, to be fair, they gave you the brown shorts. They gave you the no doors. Look, <laughs> there you got wind going up your shorts. That's nature's AC. Yeah. I mean, the, the doors are nice when you're moving, but it's like the, the advice. I don't know. The way I look at it is like anything is a good step. Like I I am. I'm. I'm cool with them putting AC in in the driver's seat in the driver's uh, cab because the previous recommend UPS health recommendations if you're feeling signs of heat stroke is like oh you pull over and find some shade. <laughs> so I mean, there's a you know drink water and all that, but like that's your last best option is find some shade. And if you were delivering in Southern California, like I was, uh, it was just a giant parking lot with with no trees it's like okay somebody took the one tree on my route uh so i guess i'll have dinner inside the the flea market or something yeah i heard someone died i mean what brought this up there's like a heat stroke death right we've had uh we've had members die uh we've had members severely injured with heat stroke heat stroke is extremely common uh for all all employees employ i mean people working in the warehouse they don't have ac either you know um and there was also there was that doorbell camera of that driver passing out just on camera and that i think spurred a lot of action or at least a lot of rhetorical action on the part of ups to talk about heat safety and all this and our ceo carol tomei uh you know made some statement i think she like acknowledged global warming Ah. Uh, she was like, it's, you know, it's, you know, in a, uh, an environment that's growing hotter, you know, we need to ensure the safety of our drivers or whatever. And I really think that the Teamsters were, uh, did something smart here where it was just like, okay, you tweeted this out. What are you going to do about it? Like we're in, yeah. we're in safety negotiations. You tweeted this out. What are you going to do about it? And that's why we got this like promise of future AC. I don't really think we had to like negotiate very hard to get that. I heard someone like uh, say that they were like suspicious that the AC thing is the the thing that they're throwing you to try to quell off actual strike though or something like that. Is that is that a thing that happens in these types of negotiations? I don't know that that. I mean, I don't know that that's a thing that happens in this in these negotiations. But I I have seen that take a lot, and it's like infuriating to me. It's <laughs> like I don't know. Because I I, uh, I I like this new leadership from what I've seen, and it's if you've been around multiple Teamsters administrations and been paying attention, it's a very different type of leadership. It's it's far more militant and aggressive, and um, 
you know, some of the things I've heard Sean O'Brien say when he talks about why this contract is so important is not just like for delivering material gains to our members, but he recognizes the moment we're in with the labor movement and wants this contract and wants like our process of getting a good contract to set a tone for, for the labor movement. And I find it kind of be bewildering that somebody who would, if they were paying attention, would think that he would throw that away for like a promise of AC in the future. You know, maybe that's one of the things that like the boss is just leaking in the break room or something. You know, there's like they put anti-union uh, uh, literature out yeah. and stuff. Maybe he's going around going, "We we don't want an AC." Actually, you know, I like it when I, it's hot. Right. Totally. I think it's like people thinking it's like dumb guys thinking they're playing 3D chess, you know, like, yeah. oh, you got it. Yeah, sure. UPS gave us air conditioning. But why? Because of the woke mind virus, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. It, and they'll say both things at the same time that UP that UPS gave us AC just as a PR stunt. They get all this publicity from it, but we're not going to get AC for 10 years. And then they'll also say, and then therefore the Teamsters had to give up all your raises. You're actually taking a pay cut, uh, no more pension or health care uh, in order to get this this shit AC deal that's not even a deal and is actually a PR win for UPS. Right. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how people come up with this stuff. Yeah. Well, it's not like after that meeting, Sean O'Brien was like, "All right, my job here is done. Gonna go back to Boston." No more negotiations. Okay, so these guys make, coming up with this take, would you say they remind you of the people on Facebook that you mm. are sort of a anthropologist of, who just they in fact yeah you know just Sorry, sit there yeah. and spin conspiracy theories all day because it's like it's part of some existential huge nothing well, problem. And I'm sorry to jump on this. I was also going to ask you too. How many of those guys work at UPS that you see on Facebook? Yeah, I'm I am talking exclusive about facebook ups guys <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right to be clear that makes sense like do you want to hear some some facebook ups guy arguments yeah oh, totally yeah. give us that mdc gold baby all right so this is mdc for people who don't know this is what it is. minion death but, cult uh, so i when you're talking about a strike you know we got kind of sidetracked but like whether a strike is going to happen um you get guys <laughs> And this is I, I I pick on this guy, except I've seen this argument a lot. And so I just I, I got to talk about it. Um, people think that Joe Biden is going to stop the strike. Uh, because he stopped the railway strike. And this is probably something, no offense to to your listeners, this is probably something like a listener might have thought like, oh, you know, yeah, I get uh, into fights with people in our own kind of universe about this sort of shit because it's like well, more I, complicated than this, I think. Well, that, the pessimism is appropriate. The, yeah. the, I'm not I'm not like saying you're not right to to distrust Joe Biden. You're correct to distrust Joe Biden. I just don't think there's anything he can do about it. Right. Because like, the railways, the, the National Labor uh, Relations Act was after the Railway Act, which is like a really antiquated thing that puts it on the, the president has authority over railway labor stuff. But that does not extend to UPS like he does it. If he could, Joe Biden probably would find a way to fuck it up. But he legally is. Yeah, his hands are tied. He doesn't have anything to do with this. Right. 
Right. Yeah. The the Railway Act, I think, puts like Congress and the president power over, yeah, the railway unions. So they can impose a contract. They can like, you know, agree to a contract on behalf of those labor unions. Um with they they could theoretically Congress could get together, overcome all their differences, and write a bill that says UPS workers are now co- are now part of the Railway Act and are it's you're not allowed to strike. Oish. It's illegal to strike. They could do that. I don't see that happening. They could yeah. do that, but then you would have to say, well, now I'm going to strike like out of spite. Now, now, like now I'm, now I'm like it's not it's now it's personal. All right. Yeah. When um when that shit happened with uh Biden and the Railway Act, I I almost tweeted out something that would have gotten me a visit from uh, Secret go. Service, <laughs> but it, I could have also gotten fired from my union job for for threatening to run Joe Biden over with my package car. Uh, I think it would be he, more appropriate to run him over with a train, personally, <laughs> or an Amtrak. Well, if he interfered in, in our negotiations, was was my my threat, my fake joking parody, threat. Parody, that was going to be fake joke. But yeah, I don't like. I don't think he could try to he could try to pressure uh, O'Brien into not calling a strike. But like I said on our show, I have a fly. I have like a placard in my house window right now that says unavailable to work on August first if we don't have a contract. So that would mean that O'Brien would have to like turn like totally contradict actual rallying material that they had printed out and disseminated and has been part of his negotiation strategy. He said, we're not working with a continuation of the old contract. If we don't have a contract, UPS is going to put us on strike. UPS is going to put the company on strike. So he would have to like totally flip on that, which he could. He he could do that, but I just again I don't. It doesn't seem like in character for him. Interesting. That makes sense. So there, there, you know, when we talk about the strike authorization, is there a possibility that there won't be a strike, or is that basically to continue the metaphor from earlier? Is that basically like asking, you know, Christmas two thousand two, is Bush going to invade Iraq? Like, is this just going to happen, or is there a chance that maybe, maybe UPS will just cave at the last second? Well, I think we're pretty intent on getting the best contract possible. And UPS has made record profits off of the labor we did for uh, the last five years. I mean, they made record profits last year and during COVID where we were all working 12-hour days for like two years. We were delivering medicine. We were delivering everybody's anything you bought online while you were hold up in quarantine or whatever like we 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 brought you your fucking gym equipment we brought you your new standing desk that weighs 80 fucking pounds we brought you your new your new mattress like we did all of that and ups made like record profits a hundred billion in revenue um and we we feel like we deserve uh some of that money and i i didn't know whether a strike would be likely or not um, until UPS came back with their first counter offer. Have you guys seen this? It was, it leaked actually. Hmm. Tell us. Okay. So I'm doing this from memory. Uh, this was courtesy of 
the upsurge podcast which i think cover is associated with the real news and oh, yeah. in the times um i don't i don't know the accuracy of this it looked it looked legit but insane um they agreed pre they preemptively agreed to eliminate the 22-4 driving position knowing that that was a strike issue for us but then lowered all the full-time drivers wage down to that wage what? Down to, yeah, <laughs> that's a trick. Not and not only that, they want to institute a reverse cola cost of living adjustment, which huh. we had a cost of living adjustment in the last contract. Where if like inflation reaches a certain point, we get a very very small raise of like sixty cents or eighty cents or something like that. They want to introduce a reverse cola where if there's a deflationary period, they can lower our wage. Oh, great. Uh, just insane stuff that like almost impressive no self-respecting union would, uh, you know, volunteer to, to agree to um, the uh, yeah, it was like lower the top rate by $10. And then there's only like a 55 cent raise every year that would be split between a six month period. So you would get, you know, 27.5 cent raise in, in February and then a 27.5 cent raise in August. Um, just like laughable stuff, you know, yeah. stuff that would uh, totally change uh, the, the makeup of what it means to work at UPS and the teamsters uh, left the meeting. <laughs> they walked out of that meeting when that was presented called it an insult and uh now this that's where we're at now so i don't i don't know how we work up from that to an acceptable contract in uh a little over a month it's i you know i've never been part of negotiations so i don't you know they t in my experience they tend to move slow yeah so, well, good for them for walking out. I, you know, I can imagine if Hoffa was still there, he would have countered with, uh, "How about you give every member a an actual Coca Cola as, you know, a benefit instead of Jesus. inflation adjusted uh, stuff?" But um, real, real sugar. I want that yeah. stuff. <laughs> Mexican go. Um, yeah. But uh, rounding this out, this last question. So after, I mean, this is going to take up a lot of. Uh, energy, time, and resources, and I hope our listeners are, you know, activated, and uh, if you're not already uh, involved, um, joining in the fight. Um, but after this, what do you think is next for, for the Teamsters as uh, sort of a newly militant uh, union once again? I, I know there was talk of trying to union unionize Amazon uh, warehouses, perhaps through, like, extra legal means. Are we going to take on uh, Mark Wayne Mullen in Oklahoma? He owns a few businesses. Maybe we could get those those folks in the union. Uh, what, what do you think? I know it's probably a long way off, but what do you think is going to be next? Um, I think Amazon is, yeah, a, a very good target, and Teamsters have, in fact, organized Amazon drivers who are currently on strike, uh, uh, well, I think it's just one building, but, um, shout out to them, solidarity with them. Uh, yeah. Teaching, I mean, teaching other unions, how to do it, help helping smaller unions come up, helping even FedEx, you know, we need, we, I, I, since I, before I knew anything about like left politics and just was like 18 years old working, uh, for a union shop, I was like, why are we not trying to unionize FedEx? I don't, 
Like is that's it, where my that's where like fifty percent of my union dues should go. Not that the union dues are are that high to begin with, but just like that seem you know that that seemed to maybe be indicative of complacency with previous complacency within the union. Um, I, know, I yeah, go ahead. So I I know somebody works at FedEx. I'm not going to name them, but uh, apparently, isn't it like there's some loophole? Where because they have planes, like they have like a FedEx jet, you know, like in Castaway that got Tom Hanks stranded. Uh, because of that, if you unionize FedEx, it has to be like shop by shop instead of like everybody at the same time or something. So it's like a it's a very tall order, but I definitely you know think it's worth the challenge. But they have like some some uh, part of the legal deck rigged against uh, unionizing. I mean, that sounds like convoluted and arcane enough to be real yeah <laughs> well it's just like the train thing we we're just yeah. talking about yeah i think this it might be related stupid. to that actually the railway it might involve the railway act but i think i think i did hear that that fedex is also part of the railway act or something but there's like three different fedex companies so there's fedex ground there's FedEx, federal uh, fedex express and i think i'm gonna get it wrong i think ground is union or not and ground is employees and express is subcontract. Like, no, maybe it's the other way around. One of them, they're like independent con they're classed as independent contractors okay. and they have, they have to like buy their truck. They have to pay for the route. Uh, I think that might be ground. I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think helping other workplaces to organize. And I think also like be great to see more international solidarity with like Latin America and South America, yeah. you know, that would, that would be really cool. But again, I'm just like kind of speaking as a, as just a rank and file member here. Can I, sorry, I, I want to read. Yeah. The, I was going to ask before you go, we give us the juice, man, read some psychos from Facebook, please. So this guy was like, arguing that we weren't going to strike. He says, uh, if for whatever reason, Teamsters and UPS don't reach an agreement, the government will 100% step in uh, because of the crippling effect it will have. And I was like, they they can't step like, I was like, you're talking about 340,000 people. What are you like? That's, that's how strong the Teamsters are. Are they going to like send the national guard to, to like frog march us into our package cars? You know, <laughs> And his response was like, I think he was like a pessimistic lib. Like, I think that's, he said, the government owns everything and has the power for everything. No one is worth a damn. We are all pawns. People will, people willingly let rich, parentheses, top 1% because they, quote, earned it. People pay nothing in taxes. If you think the government is going to let 325,000 people, quote, stop them, that's one of the largest jokes being told. That's one of the largest jokes being told. A real poet there. <laughs> well, you know, pawns are bald. Sean O'Brien is bald. But if a pawn, and arguably he was originally Hoffa's pawn, he was Where like an inside guy. <laughs> Hear me out. He, When you make it to the other side of the board, you become a queen. Oh, interesting. Oh, cool. But what if you're playing 3D chess? There's a whole oh. other dimension to move in. I That's guess true. your I'm, move. I'm not Facebook brand enough. To Check me. You got any other good Facebook the, guys? <laughs> That's where the FedEx planes come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I, it just it's it's baffling to me. It's like, dude, you're part of a union. You you know what a union is. Like you know how we got these things. It's because of strikes. It's because of like mass movements. Like 
we are a mass organization. It's just people, you know, there's, there's people who don't know it. And then there's people like you who, who like refuse it. I mean, for all the power, like, I, I wonder if this, like this guy is like blaming people for not voting tax cuts for the rich or something like that. Uh. And it's like, you're in a much more direct body that can actually affect your material reality. And like, you think that voting is more important than, than that. That's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. That's the weird thing about unions in America is there's people in them that like don't understand that it's socialism or like, there's just a lot, also like a lot of weird cynical liberals in America who like, like them because it like keeps capitalism kind of in a stasis and they're like it's 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 a good check you know and i love my checks and and checks and balances or whatever the fuck right but that's you know it's never supposed to go any further than that or whatever or the know. best we can hope for is, isn't good stuff happening but like less bad stuff happening yeah, yeah. It, man it's just this is a really just gloomy fucking depressing country in terms of outlook sometimes and it is i th i think it is that like not just class pessimism but like uh, I don't know what's what's the word for it like not ableism but like uh, I guess it is still classism where you're like well no we need to elect somebody who's smart because we got a bunch of idiots in this country that don't know what's good for them and will vote against their interests or whatever so we need to uh, you know elect one smart guy like uh, Joe Biden that's <laughs> that's our guy who's going to take care of the rest of us. Um, but then the last, this is this one right here is the best though. A guy started arguing with that guy <laughs> when he said the wealthy don't pay taxes. Uh, this guy chimed in to say, "Man, uh, you know the wealthy they pay far more than we do." Uh, but you want to believe any politician? Go ahead. If you do some research, you will find out they pay exactly what the tax code requires them to pay. Although they have lawyers that know all the loopholes. It's like, okay, so you're admitting that, that they don't. Uh, and then the next comment, though, this is the best, is from the same guy. People use this BS to create division between the poor and the rich. And you bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the division, right? Oh, my God. We, just, <laughs> we need to all unite. We need to have a united front. Uh, the wealthy and the poor against whom? <laughs> <laughs> the middle class. Yeah. That's the real enemy. <laughs> Yeah, or like against the president. What the fuck is he saying? We'll it's call it a unite you un, not, yeah. not a union. This other thing, a third thing. Yeah, man, that's fucking cool. That's weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like we could do this all day in terms of diving into Facebook idiots, and I do it all day, and it's very addictive. So we also have to cut ourselves off right now, like. <laughs> so much bartending um <laughs> uh yeah that's fucking cool i won't keep you any longer man thanks for talking to us thanks for explaining the uh what's going on over there it's very illuminating you know i only knew fucking from a glance kind of what was going on here that's why i wanted to talk to you um so yeah thank you and uh where can we check out minion death cult man oh yeah thanks for having me on uh anytime anytime you want an update i'll be happy to Give it. Um, listen to Minion Death Cult wherever you get podcasts. We're a podcast about how uh, real people process politics. <laughs> we we nice. cover uh, stories like uh, the man who lived in the suburbs of Chicago and dreamed he was having a home invasion, so he shot himself <laughs> in his sleep. Oh. 
Uh, the desperate right-wing influencers uh, who are arguing that going on Joe Rogan is part of the scientific method. <laughs> yeah, that's been a good one this week. Yeah, um, I, I loved. I like the the submersible stuff was all so. I mean, it was all pretty funny. But my favorite part was like Matt, the weepy Matt Walsh tweets about how they were actually daring explorers. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Char charting unknown waters it's like no we know about those waters dude uh but you can hear uh all that stuff yeah by listening to minion death cult thanks for having me on again guys yeah, yeah. for sure man is there right. if i plug something real quick i sure <laughs> i guess this will be the end of the episode yeah yeah plugs now okay um if you're listening to this and you're in uh new york city i mentioned you know there's ways to get involved in this fight uh the nycdsa union power campaign is enlisting Comrades in the struggle, there's a bunch of ways to get involved with UPS, with uh, new organizing, uh, with the Secure Jobs Act in New York City. If you want to find out more about that, go to unionpower.nyc. And we are raising money for the Union Power Campaign, actually, at the next uh, paid protest, which is going to be July 7th at Silo in Bushwick. Uh, doors at 7.30, show at 8 o'clock. A lot of funny comics on it. Uh, Mike Drucker, Lily Michelle, uh, a lot of people, my friend Sam Morrison, uh, come check it out and, uh, we'll have a link link in the show notes with the, uh, ticket, uh, link to get those, get those tickets and support the cause. Um, I'm going to be doing stand up here in Brooklyn on Tuesday at a place called Brooklyn Golf Greens, uh, that I will put in the show notes because I just accidentally turned the message that. The information was in an Instagram to vanish mode. Does this happen to anyone else? Are you trying to scroll and it just turns into vanish mode? You know, All what, the we time. complain about this on Check Facebook. Check the show notes. Check the show notes. Uh, Brooklyn Golf Greens seven, probably. I don't know. It's stand-up comedy. It all around happens around that time. Uh, this coming Tuesday, the twenty-somethingth. All right, that's it. That's the show. It's finished. Oh yeah. <laughs>